Good morning, church. I need an amen corner here, so don't be shy. This generation is asking us to take notice of the fact of our carbon footprint. So I looked at that idea, what's a carbon footprint? Well, they asked this question. How many planets planets will we need if everyone lives like you? Pretty good question, right? Now, where you land politically with all that, Hakuna Matata, that's not where I'm going. <laughs> but here, here's where I'm going. Years ago, as our superintendent, who we're celebrating today, Chuck Hughes, was praying through, and we were discussing how to move forward and how to encourage our churches really to get engaged and really do what God was to, uh, uh, wanted to do with us, we talked about a gospel footprint. We spoke about increasing a gospel footprint. So a gospel footprint is, keep going, keep going, bam. The measured sum of missional efforts made by Christians reaching every man, woman, and child with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I believe that during my time, the Lord has clearly said to, to me, you don't have to invent anything new. Thank you, Lord. There's continuity in, from the years of Chuck and his efforts to what God is asking me to do. But he asked me this question, why do you think you need to read every, reach every man, woman, and child? Why do you think it needs to be done? And what God was actually asking me was, you need to connect it with the why. Why we're doing this stuff. And basically it's this, why, why extend, why leave a gospel footprint? Well, because Jesus wants to saturate the state of Florida with the glory of God. All you need to do is study the life of Jesus Christ. He never spoke about himself. He was never out setting on his own agenda. As a matter of fact, people would say, well, good master. And he would say, why do you call me good? There's only one good, the Father. Jesus was enamored and thralled, and all that he wanted to do was bring glory to the Father. As a matter of fact, when he was about to leave, he tells his disciples, listen, I'm not going to leave you alone. As a matter of fact, I'm going to help you take your Christian walk to a, to, to a higher level. I'm going to send the other counselor, and he says to, to them, he is like me in that he is from God, he is God, and he is not going to uh, be Emmanuel, God, with you. He is going to be God in you. So he said, he is not going to speak of himself. He will only share with you what he hears from the Father and from me. It is all about the glory of God. I believe that fundamentally our churches are in decline or plateaued because we lost clarity with the why. Why? 
of our faith. And by extension, why we go to church, why we call ourselves Christians. And unfortunately, the people outside the church are looking at us and they're trying to label us around a political philosophy or a political party and they're distancing, distancing themselves because basically we have gone up on a bully pulpit and have lost sight of why we're still here. Say to the person next to you, if Jesus was done with you, you'd be dead. <laughs> Say it in a loving way. <laughs> you see, I remember when Jesus Christ interrupted my life. I had tried it all myself. Whenever the pastor would speak about hell, believe me, I did not want to go to hell. So I either raised my hand to get saved or came up to the altar. And my pastor was that old school that he could preach about hell, baby, and you can feel the heat. And I remember wrestling with the concept, I don't want to go to hell, even though I was 14, 15 years old. And I remember when he said, I, I, I need to do something different because it's not sticking. And he put the church to prayer for prayer and fasting. What a concept. And the church began to pray and to fast for all the young people in the church. And I remember the day that he knocked on my house and he wanted to speak to me. I was sweating bullets. Because I knew, even though I played in the worship band, even though I go to church every day, even though I knew when to say hallelujah, which was rare, <laughs> uh, or raise our hands, or stand up in prayer. I knew all the hymns, I knew everything about it. I knew everything about religion of Christianity, yet I was lacking an experience, a, a true transformational experience with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he came and, and he looked at me and he says, well, you're a nice kid. Thank you for serving in the church. By the way, don't go to the bathroom so many times during the service. And he left. And I thought he missed it. He missed it. Now, you have to have been in a Hispanic church to get the, the true sense of that. If we got up, my pastor would call you right from the pulpit. Alfredito, ¿a dónde tú vas? Uh, and sit down, baby. <laughs> my best friend got the worst whipping of his life because the pastor called him out on us Tuesday night service. So as I was, uh, I, 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 I was wrestling with this idea of going, I don't want to go to hell. I remember Jesus came in as, 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 as the pastor had picked me up to help him with the music on a Tuesday night service. And on the way back, the Lord began to speak to me as I listened and heard the testimony of my older brother of what Jesus had done for him. And I remember the Lord saying to me, I want to transform you. And it was so powerful. His presence was so, so vivid in that car that I said, wait till I get home. We got home and my brother went right to his, 
to his side of the, 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 the bedroom and got the phone and was going to call his girlfriend. I said, can I talk to you? And he said, well, talk to her. I said, no, 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 no. Ahora. And he said, okay, what's up? And I said, listen, I've tried this Christian thing. I keep raising my hand. I keep going to the altar. And it doesn't stick. The next day I forget about it. But I know that if you help me, it will change my life. And my brother hung up the phone, looked me right in the eyes, and he says, I can't. And then he said, but I'll introduce you to he who can. And he introduced me to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the presence of God fell into that room. And I began to weep and to be transformed. And what I had tried on my own, listen to me, was was all of a sudden happening. Not only was my name being written in the book of life, but the Holy Spirit descended upon my life. The distinctive difference was that the next day I sensed his presence. And it's been a journey ever since. I remember saying to him, I want to go to Africa. As I was praying in the mornings and right before I went to school. And that, that day that I prayed, Lord, I'm ready to go to Africa to be a missionary to serve you. I went to high school and it was in my English class. And I was a little bored and I got up. I have issues with Paying attention. So I grabbed my paper and I watered it and I started to go to the, the garbage can. And, and as I was throwing it away, some kid came in and pushed me and I said, What's up? Can look at the pasati. Right now? Why are you pushing me? And I, I was ready to fight and I heard a still small voice that said to me, You want to go where? And I remember the Lord saying to me, serve me in high school. Eventually went away to Tacoa Falls College. My can eyes over there. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> Asbury. Really? And I remember, I wanted to be a missionary. I wanted to serve the Lord translating the Bible. I had looked at Wycliffe Bible translators. And I thought, yes, I want to do this real ministry. And I wanted to go to Papua New Guinea. Marilyn Lasso had come to our school and, and her testimony and, and the challenges of her. I thought, yes, this is what I want to do, Lord. And I, and I remember I, I, I started taking missionary trips. The second year, I led the team and we went to Mac uh, Brownsville, Texas, and we crossed over to Matamoros, to the state of Tamaulipas, and came up to to uh, Reynosa and then came back to McAllen. And in that trip, I was leading a group of seven guys and, 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 and I was 19 years old and I, and I, was, I was leading the team and, and, and the missionary came over to me and he says, hey, Alfredo, come over here. And I said, yes, sir. He says, you're our next pastor. And I said, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a real minister. I'm going to be missionary. And he says, no, 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 no. We need pastors. All right, we, we're, we're, we've been praying for a pastor. Come over here. And I left quick. We left. I did not look back. And I remember 
finally wrestling with the Lord and in and, 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 uh, and, and my, my room in college just saying, okay, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, you want me to be a, a pastor in the U.S.? I want to be a missionary. And I remember I, I had the picture right, right, right here as I knelt down and, and right, right by my bed and I said, here I am, Lord, serve me. Use me, Lord. That began a journey of following and obeying the Lord. It became an attitude of, listen to me, adjusting my life needs and wants to live and serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ spent three years walking with disciples. He radically changed not only them, but transformed them for God's glory and his purposes. You are part of a family that has at its core value that lost people matter to God. And he wants them found. And in the U.S., we have, we have uh, 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 delegated the, the, the witnessing. We have delegated reaching out to the community, to the paid clergy, as if that is their responsibility. And we have sinned. You see, it's not about a special forces that God is trying to raise up. It is about you, the common individual that has been visited, has been transformed, have been equipped, and have been empowered. I need an amen, somebody. somebody you, you guys are like, what in the world just hit us? The Lord Jesus Christ. See, when we get to our passage, we see this tension of the servant and the individual to be reached. If you've studied it, you know the passage. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius says he was a devout man and he gave his alms and he gave, he wanted to, to be transformed. He wanted to live for this God of the Jews. He left everything. Wait, 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 don't get ahead of me. Don't get ahead of me. Go, go back, go back, go back. I know that they're bored, but let it leave him there. You see, they, uh, Cornelius was praying, was seeking God, was, he was doing the religious Aspect of what he thought God wanted. My life as a minister, as a servant, and as a child of God changed when I realized that my prayers needed to be exercised and executed according to the will of God. When I, be, when I began praying according to God's will, my life changed. In America today, we keep speaking about what is God's will for my life. That's a wrong statement. It is what God's will, period. Make the adjustments. Amen. 
So Cornelius was praying, was seeking, was trying to do it. He was still a Roman centurion, but he was trying to live among them. He was trying to live out this faith because he had realized that the God of the Jews was the God that he needed to, 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 to serve, to surrender to. He just didn't know how to go about it. I wonder how many of our neighbors, friends, acquaintances, people that we rub shoulders with, are just wondering, how do I do this? So Peter, in his upbringing as a good Jew and then as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, figured this is Judaism 2.0. And he's following Christ and he's doing this and, and the Holy Spirit has come upon his life and uh, he has become this man who was now a spiritual force for God's kingdom. And he's, he, 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 he's at this place, he's, he's trying to meditate, trying to pray, and all of a sudden he sees a vision where God shows up and gives him this thing that is outside his comfort zone. Does that sound familiar? Huh? He never does that to you guys, right? It's completely out of his comfort zone. He has it written, when God manifests himself, it has to be this way. I love what one man said. God doesn't never contradicts his word, but he'll challenge, it, challenge your understanding of it. And God begins to deal with Peter. And Peter being, I don't know why Peter, I think Peter is just an example of all of us. Don't, don't, don't hate on the brother. But God always speaks to him in three times. He's got to repeat things three times. And finally, Peter gets it and he says, Okay, what's going on? What I have declared clean, says the Lord. Don't you call it unclean. <laughs> so all of a sudden, now listen to this. God speaks to Cornelius, I've heard your prayer, I am going to honor it, go send for my servant. He speaks to Peter and he says, get out of your comfort zone because I have someone that I left heaven to reach and the two meet and we have this great conversion experience listen why extend a gospel footprint why reach every man woman and child because Jesus wants to saturate the state of Florida with his glory. Now, these three principles are really not mine. You, they will sound familiar to you. Praise the Lord, I didn't have to come up with it. They are stuff that we've heard that God has brought into the kingdom. Uh, 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 even though it was through a Southern Baptist. I, I, <laughs> don't be hating. But these are three ways, three principles, dynamic principles, I'm calling them, that can help you extend or leave a gospel footprint. Number one, he said, God is always at 
work drawing people to himself. Oh, get it. Please don't miss this. Right now, someone who's not in church, someone who's turned off by Christianity, somebody that doesn't even know how, what Jesus, who Jesus is versus in comparison to Buddha, in comparison to Donald Trump, I don't know. It's out there calling out to God, and, and, and God is, is wooing him to himself. If you are visiting us today, let me tell you that you did not come because you're seeking God. You came because God has wooed you here because he's after you. Love the fact Verse 4 says, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. The church today in North America needs to adjust how it's living. You're not going to always like the political scenario working out. I remember my father, a former political prisoner who fought Fidel Castro and served 10 years in prison. While we were growing up in Hialeah and, and, and a pastor from Cuba came, they all wanted, them, wanted the pastor to say, we want you to condemn Fidel Castro. Are you telling them, the people at church, that they need to do that, that they need to do that? And, and the pastor finally said, listen. My call is to prepare the church to be salt in the earth, whether I like it or not. Praise God, we live in the greatest country in the earth, I believe, where we still have the opportunity to have an influence. But listen to me. Don't allow the political rhetoric to pollute you to a point where you are ineffective for God's kingdom. Cornelius represented to Peter those that were there uh, subjugating them. This is enemy. Why would I want to lead? It's like Jonah. Why would I want to go to Nineveh? God, go ahead. Do your stuff. Wipe him out. In Jesus' name. We want to do that with the liberal far rest, far left, left, left. We keep giving them more left, far, 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 so that we can justify our hatred of them. Or the far, 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 far right. We don't even know who's in the middle anymore. And we're missing the opportunity to leave a gospel footprint. But he was also working with Peter. He says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. By no means, Lord, he said, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. Verses 13 through 16. So, I'm, I'm, you know, we're, we're in Pembroke Pines. We're planning a church. And uh, <laughs> our church began to pray for this young man who was related, the younger brother of one of our uh, sisters in the church, she said, can you please pray for Carlos? He really needs, she didn't divulge anything, but all hell is breaking loose in his life. Please pray. And we, we began to pray for him, and it was great. And all of a sudden, I get up to preach one Sunday, and there was Carlos and another man. 
And as I'm preaching, I say, hey, and I'm preaching. All of a sudden, I believe it was a word of knowledge. Let me not freak you out. That means God gives you something you did not know. And I thought, ay, 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 ay. And I preached the message. I went on and uh, I tried to chase him after church to say hello. They were gone and uh, I couldn't get to him. And eventually uh, <laughs> I went to visit the sister and said, hey, do you have the address of your brother? Because I want to go visit them. I want to just tell them about, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ. And she said, Pastor, it's complicated. You should not go. Are you sure? I go, yeah, yeah, the Lord already spoke to me about it. So I go and I meet Carlos, and he was there by himself. Turns out, long story short, he was in a homosexual lifestyle, 14 years. And he starts asking me questions. Do you think God can change drunkards? Yeah, I've seen him do that. How about people deliver them from drug addiction? Yeah, 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 I've seen that. What about from homosexuality? I said, is that what you're struggling with? How about if we trust Jesus? Come to Jesus just as you are. And we'll let him deal with all that stuff. So he comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was kicked out of his house by the other guy trying to kill him. Because he said, get out of here. I'm inviting the church to come over for Bible study. The guy threatened to come and speak to me. And tell me all that Carlos was living like. And he was a hypocrite. Blah, blah, blah. And Carlos said, well, go ahead. The pastor will receive you. I go, are you kidding me? That guy's carrying a machete. They go, yeah, yeah, Papa, I knew you would receive him. He never came, praise the Lord. (laughs) And I remember one day, Carlos is over having lunch with us. My my father and mother were there having lunch with us. And my father-in-law and his wife were there. And we were talking. And if you want to know anything about Cuba, sit around a Cuban table for one afternoon. We'll always talk about how we can down throw Fidel Castro. Now it's Raul in the whole system. And, uh, and I looked at Carlos and I knew a little bit about his story. And he kept going like this. And I kept saying, Mm-mm-mm. don't go there, Carlos. And he finally, he could not do it anymore. He says, why do you Cubans hate so much Fidel Castro? Why can't you admit that he's done something good for Cuba? My father gets up. I go, dad, 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 dad. He goes, and he comes over and he says, come over here, young man. And I go, people, por favor. No, 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 it's okay. And he said, let me tell you something. The most important thing about you and me is the redemptive blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I went. And God did some wonderful work. Principle number two. Whatever God is going to do in the world, he's going to do it through all of Christ's people. The church. In order to reach our communities and cities. Why didn't the angel lead Cornelius to Christ? I don't know about you. An angel appears to me and says, repent. I will repent. But he didn't. The angel said, you got to go and call Peter. 
Stop trying to depend on everybody else. I remember my people said, Pastor, I want you to come in and, and I want you to speak to my neighbor. I go, I don't even know your neighbor. They don't even, they, why would I speak to your neighbor? Can't you speak to your neighbor? Well, he's gringo. Well, he's black. Well, he's Mexican. Okay. I remember wrestling with the Lord because I was pastoring a Spanish-speaking congregation and we'd knock on doors and I'd reach people that didn't speak Spanish and I would say, Lord, what do I do with this? Do I pass them by? And I remember one time the Lord saying to me, trust me with big C church and I'll take care of your little C church. Stop inviting people to the church. Invite them to the Lord Jesus Christ. If he wants to take it to some ungodly Baptist church, that's okay. I'm kidding. <laughs> Listen to what Peter says four days ago about this hour I was praying. This is Cornelius. Your prayer has been heard. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon. And you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Now that's evangelism. Now it may be that you have to make adjustments. When the person next to you is, is, is fishing or is wondering what in the world is going on. Or like my Italian teacher said to me one day. What's so different about you? You are so much mature than the other kids. And I go, Mrs. Comier, if you only had known me before the Lord Jesus Christ, you would not say that. Oh, I know you're religious. I said, no, ma'am. I was transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we speak of missionaries being approached by Muslims and by other people saying, I saw you in a dream. Come speak to me. Why isn't this happening in the U.S.? Don't we not serve the same Jesus Christ? I'm going to tell you a day is coming when that type of transformation, that type of evangelism is going to be demanded from us. Because people will not be able to tolerate us any longer. We had a speaker speak to us as district superintendents, and he said that he had gone to China. And as, as he was meeting with the underground church, one of the leaders said, we're praying that God will allow persecution to happen in the church in North America. And he said, why are you praying that way? is calling us to saturate the state of Florida with his glory. How are we going to do that? We've got to connect with him. We've got to connect with each other. We've got to connect with our family. We've got to collaborate with those that are in our neighborhoods that proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter their preferences of worship styles. I'm tired 
I'm tired of going to churches where the old generation wants to hang on to the way that they connected with God at the expense of the newer generation. We will answer for it. I'm tired of the younger generation thinking that they don't need the older generation because they're just stubborn. Even worse is the homogeneous concept that continues to undermine the efforts of the kingdom because we want churches according to our ethnicities and our flavors. Listen to me, the greatest thing that the neighborhood will see is that you love Mexicans. Cubans are a little bit harder, but Cubans. Peruvians, you are not called to tolerate them. You're called to love them. <laughs> Listen, if you want to keep the church really nice and you want to keep it comfortable, more power to you. But I'm asking our churches to say, God, come in, bring revival, and begin with me, Lord. Oh, take me out of my comfort zones. Take me out of our little boxes, Lord. What are you wanting to do? What are you doing? Listen to me, church. Jesus Christ has not ceased to build his church. He started 2,000 years ago. He continued through the dark ages. He continued through the renaissance. He continues in Africa. He continues in China. Woo! He continues in Cuba. He continues in South America. And I'm praying that he does it in Florida. You see... God's not going to use it in you. He's going to use you and me. That's what he put into places. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Listen to the pronouns. I will build it, and it's my church. North America, uh, First Alliance Church of uh, Orlando, take your hands off Jesus' church. It's his Gates of hell shall not prevail against it. <laughs> I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Third dynamic principle. God invites us to join him in his work. Listen to what Jesus says in John 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing on his own accord. But only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. <laughs> God may interrupt you going to Starbucks. Even at Walmart, or God forbid, but Chick-fil-A. 
Are you so in tune to what he's doing and observing what he's doing that you're saying, Lord, interrupt my day? I remember Stella. We had begun praying as a youth pastor for all of our young people. I was a little bit tired of the kids in the church that were accustomed to it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start asking God to take me to the streets. And God began doing this. And he began saving people and calling them to ourselves. And they started calling themselves God's uh, scumbuckets. Because they, 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 they had been so transformed from the streets and God was saving them. But one morning uh, I go into the office and one of, our past, one of our elders' wives had given me, Hey, I met this girl. Her name is Stella. She wants you to call him. And I go, I don't know who Stella is, Lord. Why do you keep doing this stuff? Can't I just talk to somebody? I mean, and I, I wrestled with that for days. Why Stella? Who is Stella? Names he sounds weird. <laughs> Eventually, I obeyed the Lord and I called Stella. Stella came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Stella became a leader in our youth group. Today, Stella is still serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I left a year later, so I had nothing to do with it. But God began doing a work in our city because we dared to say, can we join you, Lord? Can we join you, Lord? If everyone lived like you, could the Lord trust you to leave a gospel footprint? The Lord wants to reach every man, woman, and child. Why? Because he wants to saturate the state of Florida with his glory. So you've got to learn to see where he's at work. He's always at work. Can you begin praying, Lord, can you show me where you're at work and I'll trust you to make adjustments to my life so that I may join you. So I'm going to ask you this. Could you identify three people in your circle of influence that are close to you but far from God? Your church has it, the power of what? What, is, what do you? Three, two, one. Three, that sounds like a phone. Three, two, one. That's, but that's the idea, you guys. Listen, God, God, God said, I will add to the church. As a matter of fact, he says he, he does it daily. Because he's not limited to First Alliance Church in Orlando. His church is a lot bigger. It's the universal church. Right now he's calling people from Afghanistan, from Iran, from Iraq. He's calling them from Cuba. He's calling them from South Florida. Please, Lord. 
What is the gospel footprint? The measured sum of missional efforts made by you to reach every man, woman, and child with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 20 million in the state of Florida. We are the eighth state most densely populated. And people are fleeing taxes and coming here. <laughs> there are some of you that are homegrown. We need you. There are some of you that are from New York, whatever. <laughs> and some of us that came from across the pond. But listen, how many of us did the Lord Jesus Christ bring here? Because he was wooing us to draw us to himself. I'm going to ask you. If we were to ask a light question as the carbon footprint people do and adapt it to leaving a gospel footprint, could we say, how many Christians does the Lord need to reach every man, woman, and child in your circle of accountability? Have you lost sight of why you are coming to church? Have you lost clarity of the why you have been redeemed, sanctified, and set apart? Oh, I have good news for you. Jesus is still building his church. And he's doing it through you and through me.